Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Oh my goodness, I just realized. Happy Valentine's Day, I almost forgot. Tanya, happy Valentine's Day. I think you're here somewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm not really good at remembering those types of things. Not really a romantic type guy. I'm just not. That's just being honest. And so, man, what I did is maybe something you might do. I went on the internet, did an internet search. And uh, things that I can do to maybe help me with relationships. And uh, it, they could be romantic relationships or, or just ones where you want to be people's friends. But, but um, these, I, I went and looked, and, and this one I think it's good because it was top 15 things to do. None of this top 10 things, do's and don'ts for a relationship, but 15 of them. And this was the first one. It, it, it said, first of all, guys, be on time. You know, if this is a starve relationship, first day, be on time. Ladies, you can take as long as you want. Uh, we'll wait. Uh, that's the way it works. So be on time. Uh, number two, don't talk about how great you are. I know that's a struggle for some of us. Uh, be interested in them. There's a number of these. You'll see themes about having an interest and in listening to others. Oh, this is, don't be checking your phone. Uh, maybe if, if you're like me, you have to leave the phone in the car because it's just so tempting to look at it all the time and, and to send a text or something like that to people who want to know how your date's going. Uh, do listen actively. So ask questions back and forth to, to go deeper in the conversation. Don't underdress. Do ask more questions. Number eight is don't try to be perfect. Be yourself. But what I've found is always try to be yourself, unless you're a jerk, then try to be someone else so that you can have a second date with that person. Uh, do make eye contact. Don't talk about past relationships. Do be honest. Don't think or look too far ahead. Don't talk about getting married and having kids and settling down. No, not on the first date especially. Do, I, this one I found interesting, do offer to pay the bill, especially guys, and then you kind of got to take it from there, where, see what she's comfortable with, if you paying or not. 14, this one's very important, and I'm going to help you with this one today. Don't use cheesy lines, okay? Don't use cheesy lines, so I'm going to give you some good ones, like, is your name Google? Because I found what I'm looking for. Or, another good one, is your hand heavy? Because I'd be happy to hold it for you. <laughs> this is good stuff. And, and finally, this is my favorite. You know, if I could rearrange the alphabet, I'd put you and I together. <laughs> All right, these are, these are proven. We're 24 years of marriage with lines like this, but no cheesy ones, that's the rule. And then finally, they, they encourage us to give compliments freely and to, to notice things and, and to, yeah, give compliments. 
Anyways, as you can see, as we go through this, this is about relationships. How do we foster relationships? And there are times when when we begin relationships that we look for advice, that, that sometimes when relationship starts, we have these insecurities about how we act or how others look at us. And, and so any information that we could get from an outside source to help us in that relationship, maybe things to think about that we haven't thought about before, we welcome them. Well, as we begin our, our worship series today, it's entitled God and Me. And in this series, it's a relationship series. And I'm sure with, with all the people here today, there, there's a vast number of people that, that some of you, when you think about your relationship with God, that, that you're like, you know what? Sometimes I don't know how to act around God. Or, or I look at that relationship, and that relationship's not as strong as I would like it to be. Sometimes my relationship with God seems strong, and other times it, it seems distant. So how is it that I can have a stronger relationship with God? Well, if that's a way that you feel, please know that this has been something that has been going on for years, for centuries, for uh, millennium, that, that people, as they look at their relationship with God, that they are just uncertain about it and how it can be strengthened. About 500 years ago, there was an individual uh, in the church, his name was Martin Luther, and one of the things he noticed is that people in the church did not have good relationships with God. Uh, he found that when they got together on Sunday mornings, they didn't even know what to talk about. God's word was not something that was regularly read. They would not have gone to the Bible. Uh, they, they would not have had readings like we do today. And so what he did is he understood that in order for the people to have these relationships with God restored, they needed to know the basics. They needed to understand what God is like and how God wants us to interact with him. And so what he did is, is he wrote a, a small little pamphlet. It's called a, a catechism. And if you were to go online, it, it's still it's something we use today. We use it in our confirmation class. And it's called Luther's Small Catechism. And what he did is he took some of the basic things about God, like the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and forgiveness of sins. And what he did is he wrote a simple explanation of them for parents to use with their children to teach at home so that they would better understand how a relationship with God is strengthened. And now in the next six weeks, what we are going to do in this series entitled God and Me, what we are going to do is go back to those, go back to those basics and see how the foundations are laid for a strong relationship with God. And as we do that, not only will you get to know God better, but I'm guessing that you are going to get to know yourself better as well and, and come to a, a better understanding of the relationship God wants to have with you. So our message today is entitled, God Commands Me. And at, at first first. You know, viewing, you might, wow, that's, that's pretty harsh. That's pretty strong. 
And I chose that on purpose, God commands me, because what we are going to look at today are the Ten Commandments and God's law and and what that has to do with our relationship with him. We go to the time of Jesus, Matthew chapter 22, and it's the last week before Jesus is going to die on the cross. And he's going around the temple area And individuals are are trying to attack him, trying to discredit him. And this is an exchange that he had with some religious leaders of his day. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, which were a, a religious group or sect of people, the Pharisees, another religious group, got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now notice when when these individuals were here, the word that's used is they were testing Jesus. So they weren't necessarily trying to find information that was going to strengthen their relationship with God. What they were trying to do is ask a question that would make Jesus have to backtrack on his answer and look bad in front of the people. Now, when they asked him about the law, it could have been the Ten Commandments, but most likely was part of their ceremonial laws, of which there were over 600 of them. And so with all of these laws, they were trying to ask Jesus to say, okay, which one is the most important? And then when he gave an answer, they would say, well, what about this one? What about that one? How come that one's not more important? So it would be the equivalent of someone asking me today, what is the most important thing we do at Crosswalk? And the answer is growth groups. Plain and simple, it's growth groups. It's the most important thing we do at at Crosswalk. And at that time, Jimmy, back in, in, who's doing the sound, would turn my mic completely down and then say, uh, what's the most important? Tech. Tech is the most important thing we do in audio. That's the most important thing we do. Uh, after the message, Jonathan's right there sitting there and would say, you know what? I'm not playing today since it's not important. Uh, Pastor Dan. And then, and then crosswalk kids would send all of the children back over when they heard about this, and there would be mutiny. And, and all of a sudden, I would have to say, everything we do at crosswalk is very important, but growth groups are still most important. <laughs> and, and, and it would be a way for me to, to maybe give my answer in the way I feel, but then have to qualify it as well. That's what they were trying to get Jesus to do, was identify one specific thing so that they could make him look bad and backtrack. And so what is his answer? No, he he doesn't fall into that trap. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In the blank, you can write, God wants his relationship with me to be based on love. To be based on love not rules. Okay, this is this going through the study this week, this is this part of affected me more than any others. And and I was going through this and I was going through it with a, a couple of other individuals who were studying this text. And one of the one of the guys there said, Well, we need to understand that God's law, 
that the things that he commands us to do are a reflection of God's heart. Like, okay, the things that God asks us to do, commands that we do, are a reflection of his heart. So when we break those rules, we are not breaking rules. We're breaking God's heart. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that because in relationships, in the relationships in marriage, let's say, that, that when we have the vows that my wife and I made, we made promises to one another. You could call them commands. And, and the commands is that would we, we would be faithful to one another. And if I break that rule, is Tanya going to come to me and say, Dan, I'm really upset that you broke this rule? No, she's going to be upset because I broke her heart. In the same way, if it's lying, that, that is she mad at me? Dan, you broke a rule about lying. No, you're breaking my heart because you're not telling me the truth. And, and so as we look at this and, and we look at the way we see the Ten Commandments, whatever laws, whatever the Bible tells us that we should and should not do, it starts to change the way that we look at it, that, that we are not breaking rules, but breaking God's heart and breaking our relationship with him. And every time we do it, every time we do it, it, it like takes a chunk out of it. And, and sometimes when I think of that in terms of the whole world, not just the, for, let's start with me, how much I have sinned and how I have broken God's heart. And then I think in terms of the world and how we've broken God's heart, I don't know how he can stand it. Because what he wants to have with us is a relationship based on love. And in his law, we see a reflection of his heart of love. We continue. The next place we go is Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. And the reason why I went here is Exodus chapter 20. If you were to look at verse 3, verse 3 is the start of the Ten Commandments. And so if you're looking later, if you, if you want to turn to that Exodus 20, uh, we're going to look at the Ten Commandments. They're found on the back of the sheet. But all of them are listed just the way God gave them to Moses in Exodus chapter 20. But the reason why I chose this verse is this shows the spirit with which God gave those commands. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When we think in terms of God giving us the Ten Commandments, and especially God giving the Ten Commandments when he first gave, gave them to the children of Israel, remember, they were in the wilderness. They were at Mount Sinai. There was a, a cloud of smoke. There was lightning. There was fire. It was scary. It was, it was so intense that the people couldn't even go near that mountain because of God's holiness, that God was perfect. And now God is going to give them his law, his commands, and how they should act. But even as he does that, he says, I am the Lord. Notice on that word, the way Lord is spelled, it's very important. It's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And whenever the Bible uses it that way, it's a reflection of a specific 
name that God gave to his people, and it's the one that he gave to Moses. It was to Moses that he said, I am who I am. And, and in that word, it's God being in the present. It's God as the Savior God. It, Lord or Yahweh, however you want to say it, whenever they saw that name, and whenever in the second commandment it said, do not misuse the name of the Lord, it was always of that Savior God who wanted nothing but the best for his people, God who would come and, and save them in, in, their, in their darkest time and in their worst troubles. And so even as God is about to give them the Ten Commandments, he shows the spirit which, with which the Ten Commandments are given. In the blank you can write, when God loves me, it is called gospel when God loves me, it is called gospel. When God tells me to love, it is called law. It's very important as we look at that. And, and when you look in the Bible, if it's God telling you something he has done for you and, and showing you his love, it's always gospel. It's always good news. It's always something God is giving to you at no cost. So when he identifies himself here as the Lord... It's always gospel because it's the God, notice, who brought you out of slavery. This is also the God who gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3, 16, it's God loving, God loving the world. And so it's good news. It's something God is giving to you, freeing you from the slavery of sin. And as a response to that, we act to God also in love. And that's called the law, where he gives us that direction on what we are to do as we live. And so we're going to see that the way that you summarize those most simply is love God back. When God loves you, reciprocate his love. A way to show that love specifically is in the Ten Commandments, and we'll get to that in a moment. Now, why? This is, this is as, as important a question as anything. Why? Why does God give us his law? Why does he give us these commands? Why are the, they so valuable to us? Why are they things that we would want to have in our life? Exodus 21 verse 17 says, Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Yikes. I, I don't know if you ever look at that. There were a lot of things that were punishable by death in, in, in the Old Testament as you read these commands. And what I don't know, it, we never necessarily uh, get to a passage where someone actually was put to death for cursing their father or mother. Personally, I'm all for this one. Right, kids? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listening, right? But, but as we look at this, this, this concept of the punishment for sin is death. We go to the next one as well. For the wages of sin, the payment for sin, that if you commit a sin, that the payment for that is death. In the blank, right, you can write right away, the law acts as a curb to stop sinful behavior. The law is a curb. Okay. Inside each and every one of us, 
Even if for, for someone who's a Christian, there, there's a new man living inside of you, but there's also a sinful nature. It, it comes by birth. It, it's the reason why God has given us baptism. It's the reason God has given us his word. It's the reason why we have to continue to use God's law and gospel in our lives to show us our sin and, and to turn from it. But inside of you, there is a sinful nature. And the only language your sinful nature understands is the law. And the only way, the only way, or, or the only reason why your sinful nature will want to do what God wants it to do is because it's afraid of punishment. So when you have the laws occurred, you have people doing the right thing for the wrong reason. And there are times and think about this for a little bit, there are times in our lives where we don't care if people do the right thing for the wrong reason. And the reason why is if it's going to be something that is going to hurt them or hurt others, we don't care as long as they don't do it. For, for the time being, in a certain situation, we'll settle for doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Example, drunk driver. If you are at an establishment, a restaurant, a bar, whatever it is, and you see someone there who's just hammered, and they are grabbing their keys, and they are going to go to their car, and, and, and you walk over by them and you say, you know what, you cannot drive. And they say, I don't care, I'm, you know, I'm fine, whatever it is. You say, okay, then that's on you, I guess. I'll go ahead and drive if you want. No, if you are truly a friend to them, you will tackle them. You will get a couple friends to hold them down. You will take their keys. You will run away. You'll throw them in the dumpster, whatever it takes. Because you realize if they do that, they could, first of all, they could hurt themselves. But also, they can hurt other people, too. And so what you are looking at for that time period, whether, you know, it might just be that half an hour or that night or whatever it is where you're separating them from doing something really stupid that will have effects that last for a very long period of time, you do whatever it takes. And that is one reason that God gave his Ten Commandments and, and his law. Because even though that, that person wants to drive and, and whatever it is, the one thing that makes sense to them, I think, is they don't want to go to jail. And, and, and maybe in those times they are afraid of getting a ticket or, or whatever it happens to be. There are times when we do the right thing for the wrong reason. And God also protects us from ourselves with his law. And so when he tells us, do not murder... That, that, that anyone who takes a life, their life, should be taken as well. And he tells you, don't do things you don't want to do. And then I'm telling you, with adultery, you might think you want to do it, but the long-term results that come as a result, you are going to wish you could take it back, and you can't. And so what he did and what he does with sin is he makes the penalties and, and makes us realize how severe the penalties are. The penalty for sin, just so we're clear... The penalty for every sin is death. And that is meant to act as a curb to your sinful nature to get you to stop doing what God does not want you to do. But God has more of a plan as well. 
Okay, so the law acts as a curb for our sinful nature. We go to the next one, Romans 3, 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the work of the law. So if you think by keeping all these commands, God's going to be like thrilled with you, you're wrong. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So God's law helps us realize when we are doing something that is sinful and wrong. I'll let you go to the the next page and, and fill in the blank right away. The law serves as a mirror when it shows my sin. Now we're in a different scenario. Now we're not talking about the laws occur with my sinful nature. Now we're dealing with ourselves as Christians who, who don't want sin in our lives, who say, Lord, we understand that sin is a relationship breaker. It's a deal breaker with you. It's so harmful that, that when I do that, it's breaking your heart. I don't want to break your heart, Lord. I want to love you as you have loved me. Now, now Lord, that's, that's the type of relationship I want to have. And so we need the law as a mirror. Uh, to help us kind of see how that is, uh, I don't remember what it was, maybe two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I was at a basketball game, uh, my daughter's basketball game, and I think that they must have been selling popcorn there or whatever it is, I don't remember. But anyways, we had popcorn. And I was in the stands, it was during the first quarter, I was doing my nervous eating, you know, eating the popcorn. And... And by the end of the first quarter, I was done with the popcorn and just watched the end of the game, talked with people after the game, went home, was talking to my daughter about the game. She's like, Dad, I, I'm sorry, but you have like a piece of black popcorn in your teeth and it is so nasty. I just can't even look at you and, and talk to you anymore. And so I'm doing the old, you know, wiping it now. And she's like, no, no, not happening so I'm like, are you kidding me? So I go into the bathroom, grab a piece of floss, and there's just like this huge black gross thing in there from the popcorn and, and flossed it out, and we're all good. And then I started thinking to myself, I haven't had popcorn since the first quarter of that game. And I have talked, well, for any of you who have sat by me at a game, I don't keep my mouth shut, which I need to, but that's a whole other story. And so anyways, I, I thought of all the people that I had talked to uh, who were probably just trying to not even look at me and, and, just, and, and how, how much it takes for someone to care about you to say, you know what, I, I know you can't see it, but I can and, and so I need to tell you, because I love you, that, that this needs to go because it's ugly and it's gross. And it's the same thing with sin in our lives. First of all, this reality that you need to understand, it is so much easier to see the sins and the wrong of other people in your lives. Because you're looking at them all the time, right? That that's what you see. But as we look out, one of the the weaknesses of our eyes is that we really don't see ourselves very often. The only times we do see ourselves are, are when we are looking into a mirror. And so what God has given us in his law, what he's given us with his commandments, is a way to look at ourselves 
and see what he sees when he looks at us. And it's in that law, God's perfect law, where he tells us to love him and to love others, that we see the times when we do not, when we see those, that ugliness, whatever you want to call it, that sin brings into our lives and into our hearts and, and what we are doing to him and what we are doing to ourselves and what we are doing to others through our behavior. And he helps us to see it so that we can get rid of it. Which takes us to the next passage. Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so now, notice, we see it goes from law of we see the wrong that we have done or, or the good that we have not done, but now God wants us to look at Jesus. And, and these are these words of gospel where Jesus is telling us the reason he came into this world, the reason why Jesus became a human being is so that he could live under that law, the same law uh, that God demands of, of us, loving God, loving others, that Jesus did it. Not to abolish, not, abolish it, not so that we don't have to love God or love others anymore, but he did it for us perfectly. Also in Romans 3 verse, or 3 verse 21 and 22, remember it had just talked about how the law makes us conscious of sin. Then it follows up by saying this, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. So now this way to be right with God, even if we have sinned, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And now a way that God's heart is restored. Now a way that our relationship with God is restored. But it's not by what we do. It's not through the law. It's not by us loving God or, or loving others and, and trying to do that perfectly so that we can be right with God and restore that relationship. But it's only through Christ. And now we have this restored relationship. Now when God sees us, we stand before him perfectly. That loving relationship back intact through what Christ has done for us. In the blank you can write, the only way I truly keep the law, the only way I truly keep the law is through Jesus. And now we have this relationship restored, and now we have a third use of the law. So the first use of the law, remember, is that curb, just to refresh your memory. The curb, that's given to all the world, right? And, and that is to keep our sinful nature from doing stuff that will destroy us. The second one is as a mirror, so that when I have this relationship with God, I don't want to break God's heart, and I need to see in my life areas where I do so that I can turn from those and be forgiven by Jesus. And now there's a, a third use to the law. And it says, Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. In the blank you can write, the law is a guide showing me how I can live to thank God for all he has done. The law as a guide.
sometimes it's nice to have a guide. And, and when you have a, a loving relationship with someone, uh, you, you will want to listen to what they care about and what they like, and, and you want to give them what they want. Uh, I'm really not good at that, okay? And so what I sometimes have to do around Christmas and my wife's birthday and maybe Valentine's Day is I need to talk to my daughters, and I need to say, girls, what does mom want? And this Christmas was a perfect example of that, where you know I'm looking around to try to buy something, and, and the girls are like, are you kidding me? No, no. This is what she wants. Every time we come in here, she said, this is what I want, except it's too expensive, so she won't buy it for herself. And actually, one of the girls was going to buy it for her for Christmas. And I did the old, well, could I... Could I maybe do that? And of course we did, and it wrapped it up, and she's like, oh, this is so awesome. And then there's no way you came up with this by yourself. No way, absolutely no way, and she's right. But sometimes it is nice to have a guide when you truly do love and care about someone, and you want to show them love, and and so sometimes you say, you know what, help me understand your heart. And, And the way that you do that, right, is by listening to them, and, and the more you listen to them, you find out what's important to them and what they value. And, and so when you look at the, the Ten Commandments, which I have listed below, notice how these, these are meant to be a guide. If you are looking for a way to show love to God and, and wonder what it is that, that you can do as a guide that, will, that would make God, quote-unquote, happy, The number one thing, don't let anyone else take his place. Let him have that place. Have no other gods before me. Another thing that that God, if you want to know what he loves, what is on his heart is when he hears you say his name and call on that name and talk to him in prayer and praise him. And when you sing, sing songs of joy, of which he is the subject, he loves that. Another thing that that God absolutely loves is when you do, you know, you have your important lives and all these things that are so important, when you just stop. You stop, and you stop, and you take time to simply consider your relationship with him. Just stop. He also loves it when you treat others, when you, when you show love to them, when you listen to those in authority, when you value the, the lives of others, when you honor the vows you make in your marriage, when you are happy with the gifts that God has given you and be protective of the gifts of others as well. When you look at the, the name, your name and others' names, and, and you you treat that name with respect and you care about the reputation of others and you, you value that name, that you hold that name in high regard. And when you get your heart rid of thoughts of wanting things that don't belong to you, that's what coveting is, a sinful want for things that you cannot have. And in this, I, I hope you see that, that that's a, a, so what happens is it's love God, love others. These are ways that you do it. And then as you read, read the Bible, 
it gives, Jesus gives even more opportunity. If you were to read the Sermon on the Mount, it, it, it's Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And Jesus goes even a little bit farther of what it means to, to love your spouse and how you should look at her and other women. He talks about what it is to murder and not just not taking someone's life, but how you talk to them and how you value them and how you help them in every way. And with possessions that you not only care about your own, but you care about others and and do everything within your power to help them keep the things that God has given them and and be content with that. All of these, when when you start to see loving God, loving others, and then the way that the, the, the Bible slowly makes them come out and helps you see it in a very practical way every day of your life, you realize that God gives you a wonderful gift in his law by giving you direction on how to live in thanks for all that Christ has given you. This is the start of our relationship with God. God and me. And one of the things we, we normally think of are the Ten Commandments. It's a natural thing that has thousands of years old, our relationship with God based on the Ten Commandments. But please, as you leave here today, be thinking in your head, my relationship with God is based on, not commands, but on love. God's love for me and my love for him. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We also thank you for the gift that you have given us in your law. There are times when when your law as a curb has kept me from doing stupid things that would have hurt myself and and hurt others as well. Lord, thank you for the law as a mirror, which has helped me see sin and, and helped others point it out to me in my life and then go to the cross of Jesus where it's forgiven. And Lord, thank you for your law as a guide that, that shows me how I can live in love for you and love for others as well. Help us now, especially on Valentine's Day, to, to think of ways that our, our relationship with you can grow. And thank you that through your Holy Spirit, you, you do that. You grow that relationship and bring us closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we thank you. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. If you remember when, when I started the message, one of the things that I talked about was how the, the uh, Luther wrote these things to be taken home. And it's, it's my prayer that you will take these notes and, and you'll see the Ten Commandments are there. I, I did not read them uh, right from the page, but it's my hope that you will take these home with you this week, that you have opportunities, uh, whether you are a family of one or however many you are, that you will take time during the week to review the Ten Commandments And as you do that, think of the heart of God, his great love for you, and how you respond in love for him. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.